Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. We're back with another very special bonus episode. And today we're going to talk about the writing process. Um, Em is still in the midst of planning her nano, but the writing process doesn't start in November. The writing process has already started. Right, Em? Technically, yes. The writing has not. Yes. Because <laughs> we are following the rules. We are. And by we, I mean M. <laughs> yes. She's such a good rule follower. I endeavor to follow the rules most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about your writing process in general? What do you need? I know I've said this before. It, it really is the simple. All I need is a character, a setting, and a conflict. And whatever I have started to to tell for whatever purpose, like, oh, they need to solve a crime, or then, then it just goes, that sounds so lame, but it's true. <laughs> I want to make it sound jazzier. <laughs> writing is so boring. I mean, you're sitting there, you're writing. It's not, it's not exciting. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're not skydiving, I guess. This is true. That's that's (laughs) high up there. (laughs) I have to say, for my personal writing process, I have to be bored before any words come out at all. Yeah, you've mentioned that. There is a certain amount of boredom (laughs) in the writing process where you're just sort of staring, but it's not. It's not staring without purpose. I may be staring off into nothingness. But in my head, I'm trying different things out, but I haven't committed to actually putting that in the story. Yeah, so how does that work in the planning phase? The planning stages, usually, I wait till an idea happens and then I throw it in the outline, which at this point, my outline and notes and everything... It's 20 pages. It's grown a bit. Yeah, I, I usually try to really quick always put like shortcuts and, and things like that in there because it will grow really quick. And if not, then searching through that many pages to try to find something is just really annoying. Would you say, and, and not necessarily for nano, but in general, would you say that the outline is an important part of your writing process? Yes. For nano, yes. For non-nano, it's less important because I'm not trying to to prepare. <laughs> you don't have to be as focused, right? Yeah, you don't have to be as focused. And I have time to, to think things through. Like, do I really want this thing to happen? Is that the best way to get from point A to point B? Should I introduce this character or not? Whereas with Nano, it's like, yes, yes, introduce all the things. It's an automatic (laughs) approval stamp. Although there's not quite as much at this point, it's not quite as manic. I can sometimes take a little bit of time to think things through. So I don't just have to have random kitchen sink stuff there just to make words. (laughs) Because that sucks when you go back to edit. And again, this is assuming that that the goal is the 50k. (laughs) 
Yeah, and especially if you're planning on editing it later, there's there's nothing more annoying than ripping out crap that you just didn't need in the first place that you just put in there for word count. I mean, it's nece- <laughs> it's a necessary evil, and sometimes you do come up with gems of things that you're just like, oh my gosh, this is great. I never would have planned for this because I wouldn't have known that it was a thing. Do you do you ever find uh, like a diamond in the rough? sort of situation that just does not work for that current project but you could potentially use later i used to keep a repository for ideas where it's like you keep i think some people say in shoe boxes or a file on online where you can just put stuff that gave you ideas i can't do that i put too much stuff in there and then i can't find anything and it's usually never as good as I think it's going to be. So I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I come up with too many ideas to generate something like that. It's too much. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the process of creation. Because you are a god. Jeez <laughs> oh, Louise. <laughs> if only. <laughs> to my characters, I am their god. Unfortunately for them. Yeah. <laughs> It does not always bode well for them. Are you a vengeful god? Sometimes. <laughs> That's You want a character, ideally, to, to get up and do things, because if they don't, oh, I get mean. I'm like, fine. You want to you not do something? Fine. Your house is on fire. Enjoy. <laughs> I will make you move. So how do you go about creating, like starting an idea? Like, how do you how do you create or discover a character? I don't think for me, it starts with character sometimes. Oh, where does it start? Sometimes it starts with with this story. It's starting more with the setting because it was like, okay, so it's a sci-fi. So I need a world. And if I need a world, then who's in that world? And who is going to, given some of the rules of this world, interact best with it? Like, I know initially I was thinking like, oh, well, she she has this kind of job because then she would be familiar with these sorts of rules or laws or whatever. And the more I got to thinking of it, I was like, actually, it might be better if she doesn't because then it will be new information for her and the reader. I think her being ignorant of that could be beneficial. So, yeah, in this case... I definitely started with the world. I don't think it always has to start with a character. How does it start, though? Like, if I was starting with the character? No, just in general. Like, you could go with... We could move forward with the world example. I don't know. They just kind of appear in my head. It's hard. (laughs) Like... (sighs) That's not helpful for our listeners, Em. It is what happens, though. (laughs) I wish I could make that more helpful. But it is. They just sort of start to exist out of the ether that's in between my ears. And then then sometimes I have to change them because it's better for the story if they know this thing or if they don't know this thing. Because the story is the thing. It's not the character exclusively, in my opinion. I mean, there's so much emphasis on character. And to be fair, that's how a reader will connect. But the, the story is the thing. So how do you create that connection like that? How do you make something real, like from from the idea born of the ether? I think what helps to make something feel real is having an understanding of the world, our world, but not necessarily our current present. Like I pulled from history to build my fictional world because history's fun. <laughs> 
and I like it. Because you're a nerd. Yep. And so that helps for me to feel real. Like I understand, okay, so if it's if it's a functional society, it has layers. That will help it feel real. I think what also can help to make things feel real is, for lack of a better way to put it, like emotional authenticity with a character. What does that mean? Generally speaking, I think it means a relatable emotional response from a character in a moment. For example, what I think would be emotionally inauthentic (laughs) would be a character misplacing a hair ribbon and going absolutely insane about it. However, it can be emotionally authentic if that is a, a beloved item. Like the only remaining scrap of memories that they have related to their parent or something. Exactly. But even then you have to, it's, it's kind of like emotional volume control. You know, you can't make it too loud or then it reads false, but you can't make it too quiet or again, it reads false. And it's a completely subjective thing. People are going to connect or not connect, you know, for, for various reasons. I mean, I famously slash infamously <laughs> don't connect with a lot. <laughs> So, <laughs> so take that for what you will. <laughs> I guess another example of emotionally, I don't know if it's dishonest. Emotional inauthenticity? Yeah. So one way that storytellers, I see this a lot more in movies, and that's probably because they're on a bit of a time constraint as opposed with with a book, especially a novel versus a short story or something like that. They have more time to develop emotional connections, but they, they do this a lot in movies where it's like they'll have something emotionally traumatic happen to a character like within the first five minutes of the film. And it's just like, I don't know who they are. But they, they why put, do I care? Yeah. And they, they do that because they're trying to, to get that emotional connection. And it's usually like when the protagonist is a kid or something like that. And they usually, like I said, that emotional volume control in order to get a response, they try to make it quote unquote loud. And instead it reads as melodramatic. And I'm usually laughing. <laughs> Because I'm heartless. You have to be careful with that stuff. Because if it reads as inauthentic, then it's comedic. Which is not necessarily what you're going for if your main character as a child is crying. I would say a good example of emotional authenticity for me, it didn't surround like the main character of the story whatsoever. It was setting the mood of the story. And it was uh, Mr. Mercedes by Stephen King. Oh, uh And at the very beginning of the story, there's people waiting in a line at a job fair and they're talking to each other and they're talking about like their problems. And like one of them is like a mother mother like a single mother with their kid there one of them is a is a man you know and they're talking to each other and you kind of get like a sense of who these people are and as a reader you have no idea that these aren't your main characters necessarily ah (laughs) and so you're engaging with them and then a crazy guy comes and plows through everybody in a mercedes and kills everyone (laughs) 
But the reason it was so devastating for me as a reader was because the author had taken the time to like let us know these are actual people here that are dying. You know, these aren't just stand-ins. These aren't cardboard cutouts. These are people with lives and stories and problems (laughs) just like you. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about authenticity, which kind of, I think, leads to this next part of creation, which is making something feel real. How do you begin to make your your world real, the story world real? I think if you've done your homework for creating the environment that your character is in, then it's considering like sensory input for example the current story that Bernano like the capital is located that's by the ocean so the air would feel different than where she will be going lucky her which is a way more arid place I think that helps to make a space feel real I wouldn't during Nano all bets are off because I totally will do this. <laughs> but a final product wouldn't necessarily be going too much in depth in those things unless they're relevant. But for the purpose of nano, sometimes throwing all of that kind of stuff in a paragraph or a couple sentences can help me later on go over it and condense that information <laughs> or chuck some of it. What about you? What do you think makes a story feel real? It's so subjective, too. Oh, no, I have to think. It's terrible. (laughs) Tables, they have turned. I think it really has to have, like, a sense of detail. Like, I wouldn't say, like, I don't want the author to describe every leaf on a tree. No. Every thought someone's having and the colors of everyone's outfits or whatever, you know, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, I want to feel like I'm immersed in that story. For example, in science fiction, that means that there has to be background things that I don't necessarily understand because I'm an interloper. You know, I'm, I'm not of that world. I'm dropped in the middle. When you're dropped in the middle of something, it's fully formed and you're just picking up pieces of it as they become relevant to you. Having a sense of that mm, immersion, I think, is really important. For some stories, it's about the mood. The author taking the time, especially like for a horror story or a thriller or something like that, the author taking the time to put you in that mood as the reader so that when you're reading things that are seemingly innocuous, you're questioning them. So it kind of depends. I would say for romance stories, just in general, the thing that makes it real is that um, connection between the couple. Like, why are they together? Why are they right for each other? What is the chemistry? You know, where is that spark? And if that's not there, then the story feels flat to me. That makes sense. But I think as far as like your idea of sensory input, I think that really falls in line with the whole immersion thing. Like if I'm dropped into a bubble, like a world, like a snow globe world, that becomes very important. What do things smell like? How do people act? What is the style of dress? What do buildings look like? How does it feel when you have to ask someone how to get somewhere, you know? Exactly. And how does that other character interact? Do they give them the time of day? Do they actually answer their question? What are the social norms? Exactly. When it comes to sensory input, you don't have to put all the senses. (laughs) Like, No. I mean, again, Nano has its own set of rules. If it occurs to you to put that, then do it. You can always take stuff out later. Yeah, I I think the beauty 
of the whole idea of nano is that you're not supposed to self-edit. Yeah. So as as you're creating your story and you're putting in all these things, go ahead, mm-hmm. go crazy with it. Because probably when you get to the editing phase, you'll have at least a couple good ideas in there. Hopefully. It's kind of like if you're taking pictures, you should take like a hundred of them and hope you get a good one. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Uh, You put something on our notes about character sketches. I know you talked a little bit about that in the last episode. How do they help? I think character sketches can help establish who the character is if you don't already know that answer. Like, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of having a former school friend or whatever be a part of the story in some way. So I may do a little scene of them at school. Were they that close that it's relevant? Or is it more like a passing familiarity? I don't know if I would necessarily do that before Nano, because then why isn't it going in the Nano project? So yeah, character sketches get a little trickier with with Nano. I think I reserve them mainly as mental exercises with the characters right now. They're usually sketches in the very briefest sense of them. I've got a couple other characters that I've lightly developed for in the town. Little brief interactions and stuff so I can kind of get a sense of of who certain characters are so I can write a few little traits down for them. So that when I actually need them, I know something of who they are. It's more attitude stuff and personality. Like, for example, the one owner, I I think the note that I put for them was, they're so over your shit. (laughs) Like, they just, they don't care about why you're there. They just care, do you have enough money for the thing that they're selling? And don't mess up their property. Beyond that, I don't think they really care. (laughs) You know, things like that. So that way... When my main character goes in there to purchase something, I will kind of get a sense of how that owner is going to react to them. So when I say character sketch, I mean, they're really brief. It's not so much like writing out a scene. It's more like just imagining a few quick little interactions. All right. So thank you for joining us on our nano journey. And I'd like to invite you. Come nano with us. We're posting these bonus episodes and resources and the parts of Em's writing that she deigns to share on our website, romancemepodcast.com. We just started a Twitter at RomanceMeCast, which I've also linked on our site. Interact with us there. Ask any questions you have about the writing process or Nano in general or our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon. That's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. Are there things we're missing? Let us know. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet us about it. Ah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon. And by see, I mean, we'll post again. And hopefully you'll download it. <laughs> I think it's actually getting worse. But in like a good way. Bye.